Grey's Anatomy, the most iconic binge-worthy drama, is back, along with answers to the biggest cliffhangers. Will Teddy survive? Will Joe and Link finally find happiness together? Meredith returns along with fan faves like Arizona. You can now stream every episode of Grey's ever on Hulu and new episodes next day. Watch the season premiere of Grey's Anatomy tonight at 9, 8 central on ABC and stream on Hulu. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the Catholic Talk Show. Today, we're going to be talking about jolly old Saint Nick. That's right. We're taking a look at the real Saint Nicholas and removing the fact from the fiction from the popular portrayals of this great Catholic saint. I'm breaking out my favorite socks, fellas. Saint Nicholas is coming out of the drawer going on my feet and I'm ready to bring some glad tidings. Yeah, you know, the, the scripture, Romans 10, 15, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news? You know, Sock Religious keeps me, uh, you know, well-equipped every day. And since we're doing this about St. Nicholas, I had to break out the socks. Fella. It's all you yeah. wear. It is all I wear. <laughs> it is all he wears. No, I think that's really appropriate, you know, particularly for St. Nicholas. This is coming out right around the Feast of St. Nicholas. So, uh, you know, yeah. Make sure for your kids, put out your shoes and your socks so that uh, St. Nick can leave them a treat. But I think St. Nick is one. Speaking of that, dude, though, like, you know, how many people, Sheil, actually don't know the feast of St. Nicholas out there? You know, December 6th is the liturgical memorial. And a lot of people miss that opportunity. But there's really some cool customs and traditions that date all the way back in the church that I'm sure we're going to break open for you guys in just a minute. And uh, but December 6th, mark your calendars. It's one of my favorite liturgical feast days to remember and and then also just to celebrate. So as we near his memorial, try to get to mass, try to get to daily mass. And since you're here right now on this show on YouTube, don't waste a moment. Click the subscribe button, click that little bell. And then every time we produce a new show, it's going to populate in your feed and you're not going to miss any of the great content here at the Catholic Talk Show. All right. So what's when you say St. Nick, I mean, everyone has this image of this Coca-Cola image, you know, jolly man, red suit, you know, little <laughs> button nose, uh, the whole thing. Right. Uh, but that's that's a popular portrayal mixed up with so much different history from mm -hmm. uh, Nordic folktales to 20th century American marketing. Has really kind of obscured who St. Nicholas of Myra really was, which is a incredibly powerful Catholic saint, a bishop, a person who went through persecution for his faith, uh, somebody who contributed so great to his community, um, a staunch defender of the orthodoxy of the Trinity. Um, and I think a saint that really can, you know, both East and West, everyone can get behind. I mean, as much as we love St. Nicholas here in the Latin West, the Greek East loves St. Nicholas even more. And I think they look at him truly as that bishop as that defender of orthodoxy. And I think that's what we want to share with you today is who St. Nicholas really was and not just, you know, the guy that Will Farrell knows so well, right? <laughs> Big L. I know him. <laughs> you know, it's it's one of the really cool things about doing this show with you guys and diving into, you know, phenomenons on how cultures create 
you know, various types of caricatures. And I mean, you got to think he was born in the third century. Right. right. And so his legacy, not only as a saint in the church, but also as a cheerful giver, uh, somebody who, um, you know, gave his life to be charitable with his neighbors, especially children, um, you know, and to to develop that through the, the cultural heritages of Christmas in Eastern Europe, uh, then to Western Europe. And then in, in the United States, you have Thomas Nast. And, you know, it all started with Clement. Uh, gosh, I forget his last name, but he's Clement a Moore. poet. And he, yeah, Clement Moore. And he did a poem, Twas the Night Before Christmas. And so drawing on all that, he created this persona. And then Thomas Nast, who created very famous caricatures that Coca-Cola eventually, you know, uh, kind of modified. Uh, Uncle Sam is another one. Uh, so this guy was a cartoonist. Uh, then he developed this, you know, big jolly old St. Nick, you know. And, you know, it's funny because, like, we kind of, like, operate uh, you know, as we we develop, you know, into our culture, we kind of operate within that culture without even asking these questions. Mm -hmm. So it's it's really cool to be able to get into some of that today with you guys, you know, the reality. Yeah. I, I love the historical landscape that we're already kind of cascading over his his life. And then that you express like this is a long time ago, Delacrosse, like, uh, you know, centuries ago, this man lived. And when you think about like impact investing and like leaving a legacy behind, like look at the legacy of St. Nicholas that, you know, through these caricatures, through these different, uh, you know, popularized, culturalized things that that have become a little too secular in different respects. But the fact that his legacy is still much alive in respect to generosity and how the greatest investment that we could ever in trust that God has given us, you know, the time, talent, and resources, the treasures that we have, when we invest them generously in the name of Christ and love of our neighbor and love that is, is truly emanating from our relationship with Christ, you know, you leave a legacy, you know, and, and it's not just St. Nicholas, who he was historically, St. Nicholas is still having an impact today. And, and Sheila, I just want to make a comment too, that, you know, at times, um, St. Nicholas of Mira can be confused with St. Nicholas of Bari, and it right. is the same St. Nicholas. And we're going to share a little bit of the history on St. Nicholas, where he is uh, currently and where he was from. But, you know, the fact that at the church of St. Nicholas, where his remains are, at his tomb, underground, in the, the shore city, the eastern shores of Italy in Bari and Barese, there is a beautiful practice of the Latin rite, the Eastern rite. It is a central outpost for this unification that's happening through the generosity of his intercession right there at that beautiful church in Italy. So, you know, I, I thought it was so apropos what you said before, Sheil, that, you know, St. Nicholas is really a patron of unification uh, in respect to all of the rituals of the church that we celebrate with the name Catholic. That's right. So we'll we'll get into why it's Bari, why it's Myra, and how his relics got to get there a little bit later on. But I think like Ryan, like you said, he was born in the third century. So traditionally he was born March 15th, 270 AD, right? And died in the year 
343 on December 6th. That's why it's his feast day. So we're talking about a guy who was around before the legalization of Christianity. He was there in the earliest church, one of the church you know, fathers. I mean, he knew Athanasius. He would have known Ambrose. He would have been at the Council of Nicaea. Uh, he is not just a marketing tool. This was a real historical person. So St. Nicholas was born uh, in what is modern day Turkey, okay? Um, and his parents were rich. Uh, and his parents were both Catholics, both Christians. Um, but when his parents died, they left him a lot of money. And he didn't know what to do with it, right? So because he wanted to live the life of a, of a good Christian, he wanted to give away his wealth. Uh, so this is how he became the patron saint of children and how he got kind of associated with gift giving. So in the ancient world, when you were, if, when you had daughters, Ryan, you have a lot of daughters, so this might actually be portentous for you. You used to have to have a dowry to marry them off, right? It's like, no one's just going to take your daughter and marry them because they're pretty. They want like, well, where's my goat and my, you know, couple acres. Yeah. I've so, been saving all their Halloween candy. <laughs> <laughs> so when some young man suitor comes along, it's like, look, I can give you Maria and about a pound and a half of, of candy. You got a deal. <laughs> <laughs> Well, so there, there's this man, this father, who was a uh, widow, a widower. He had uh, three daughters, and he didn't have enough money to get a dowry to marry them off. So, in the ancient world, that probably meant you're going to have to be forced into prostitution because, I mean, if you couldn't get married, what marketable skill did a woman have in the ancient world that they let them do? So Saint Nicholas heard about this, and he took gold coins, which was his wealth from his parents, and were putting it in socks and throwing it through the window of this man's house so the guy would wake up in the morning and they'd be like oh my gosh there's there's a bunch of gold coins like i don't have to sell my daughter off to a life of ill repute and then he did this in the evening multiple times so this man was able to marry his daughters off without um you know without having the wealth to do so so that's how he kind of became associated with gift giving with um with socks with the fireplace because you know some say that it was He'd go up on the roof and drop it down the fireplace, um, those socks of coins, because he didn't want anyone to know that he was doing it in his modesty. Um, so that's how St. Nicholas, uh, the bishop back then, you know, got associated with with gift giving. And I always thought that was a really cool story to really think about. Now, when I was a kid, it was always a tradition. You put your shoes out by the fireplace um, on St. Nicholas Day, and then you put your sock up on Christmas Eve. Because Saint Nicholas would do that then, so we got we got two Saint Nicholas's uh, sightings when we were kids. What about you guys? Yeah, it's kind of funny too because people people would also dry their socks at the fire in their clothes, uh -huh. but they dry their socks separately. So it comes even from yeah, you know, cultural trends of just drying your clothes. <laughs> that's like the the practical sense of what we do liturgically or what we wear yeah. like there's there's always some practicality that you know the light bulb goes off in the head when you're like oh my gosh yeah there is a practical sense of why these stockings are being hung or these socks are being yes. hung near the fireplace in the same way that the vestments that we wear the cope or the humeral veil and you know the the weather you know the the weather shifts and you know what type of uh vestments are worn all of that is is like practicality and and hey. shout out to our previous show on liturgical vestments that was a really cool one that we did together that was Did you give yourself a shout out there yeah i just figured <laughs> i'd shout out the catholic talk show, <laughs> catholic talk show. 
three great looking guys. They did this great podcast. On the <laughs> Hustle, so check it out. Uh, so, hey, another thing too is is what I'm seeing here is that charity uh, and eventually sainthood in his case takes a very practical note as well. A lot of times we elevate things a little bit too much. Just kind of going back to my original comment about my thoughts about lots of things. We kind of elevate them so much we don't look into them. And this practicality that you mentioned in the liturgy too, a lot of people just go to mass. They're just like, yeah, it's just church. I don't know why they do it. They don't look into it. And what they'll find is this practicality, this beautiful practicality, um, you know, as well as the practicality of being charitable in your life. You know, a lot of people think they have to do these terrific or great things. And he was just using socks to get coins into people's houses. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And, you know, to your question, Sheila, like um, my mom still absolutely the thing she loves the most is preparing our, our, our stockings Mm -hmm. and with stocking stuffers. And, uh, you know, I still get the same type of stuff, like, you know, socks and underwear and like, and like payday bars and (laughs) all these, you know, all these different things that my mom just, you know, she looks forward to it every year. And, um, and it, and it's those customs, you know, that, that really warm the heart and something I'm looking forward to once again. And it's, it's not just the contents, that are inside the sock, you know, what I really look forward to is to see the joy on my mom's face in the gift of giving, because that's truly where uh, the gift of joy is. It's, it's in that act of charity, as you were saying, Delacroix, it's in that, in that gift giving that you, you expressed in the life of St. Nicholas so well, Sheila, and, and, you know, the generosity comes from a sense of modesty, like, you know, growing up, my, my mom was a single mom, you know, she didn't have a lot of money and, and, um, my grandparents really provided uh, a a wonderful life for us growing up too, with, uh, with gifts at Christmas. But, you know, for, for my mom, she had to be very modest in her, in her gift giving. But when I look back at all of the Christmases, um, really the warmth of, of her face and her eyes and the joy that she had in giving her, her three children, uh, gifts at Christmas, uh, to remember the gift of Christ is is uh, something that I will always cherish as as a as a custom and a tradition. Yeah. So I mean, your mom could put some sock religious socks in your socks and make a sock turducken for you this year. <laughs> See what you do is you take the socks from the sock religious, you put them and in, you the put it in another sock, sock, and then you put another <laughs> sock in that sock. <laughs> and so, what do you got? You got a sock turducken. <laughs> You got a sacrilegious turducken. So one last point on, on, on the story of the, the father and the three daughters. And this is pretty cool because I know when we were kids, you'd want to wait up on Christmas Eve to catch Santa Claus, right? That's everyone wanted to catch Santa dropping off the presents. You'd be like, your parents be like, you got to go to bed. You don't want to catch him. Uh, that goes all the way back to when St. Nicholas was alive. So after the first two daughters, their dowries came in, this uh, father was like, okay, I need to know who's doing this. So he was staying up all night Past midnight, after his parents told him to go to bed, tried to catch who was giving him this money, tried to catch St. Nick, just like kids do to this day. And um, he threw the money in, and the father runs out and finds out it's this, this man giving him the money. And St. Nicholas ordered him not to tell anybody about who was giving him the money just so that he could maintain his uh, right hand, not knowing what the left hand does. So I thought that was clever and just kind of interesting that even back then, you're trying to catch St. Nick, give you a guess. But after St. Nicholas distributed his money, he's now poor, so he decides to make a pilgrimage to the Holy Land. And I never heard this before, uh, but according you know, to the, all the historical sources, he went and he lived in 
Bethlehem. So he went and lived. Saint Nicholas, Santa Claus, lived in Bethlehem in a cave right near the Church of the Nativity, which I think oh. is so cool that Saint Nicholas even then is so tied up in the Nativity that he was living in a cave right by where Jesus was born. Um, so whenever you see like those little cheesy artworks where it's like a uh, <laughs> nativity scene, you got the baby Jesus, then you got Santa Claus kneeling with his hat off. That's really not too historically inaccurate because St. Nick <laughs> lived in that cave and there's still a church there in um, in the area called St. Nicholas Church, which that, I don't know, that really made me happy to think of the real St. Nicholas living in a cave by where Jesus was born. Well, there, there you got the connection now between yeah. his his saintly charism and uh, the tie to the nativity, which I was always wondering about. And here we go. I learned more again. I think a lot and, of it has to do with it's just the timing of this feast day too. Yeah. Yeah. And, and uh, you know, the, there's always such a warmth in the church when you have St. Nicholas, um, you know, Father Tetlow did this for years and in, in, uh, coming out of the seventies, but to include uh, to include St. Nicholas to come and venerate the child Jesus in front of the whole congregation, you know, to kneel and to in devotion. And it's just like, you know, there's not a dry eye in the church, you know, experiencing mm -hmm. that for the past, you know, heck, greater majority of my, my you know, 20s. Um, so for close to 10, 12 years, you know, being with Father Tetlow at, at Christmas um, and seeing how the congregation experienced uh, St. Nicholas really venerating the nativity there's a power there there's an intercession there there's a there's a sense of remembrance so i i do love that not only in statuary but that that practices you know all over the world and all over the country uh in respect to you know saint nicholas and and the mass mm -hmm. it also kind of postures people towards the the primacy of the the time right like in what we're celebrating too you know yeah yeah it's true. And, and it's like, you know, I've never, like when I went through the seminar and you read the rubrics and, you know, like I, I remember giving Father Tetlow such a hard time about, about that. I'm like, you know, it's not liturgical and, you know, like, and, um, and now, you know, being in the priesthood for, you know, close to 11 years and, and, uh, and seeing what he was doing pastorally and understanding it a little bit more deeply, looking beyond just, you know, the, the sense of, um, you know, strict rubrics um you know there's there's customs there's traditions there's things that happen and it's not like it's happening you know in the throes of of the middle of the liturgy like it's at the very end before yeah. the final blessing and it's and, not uh, like you're giving a homily yeah exactly <laughs> exactly <laughs> but i don't know i've known father tetlow to give away a homily or two, so. <laughs> oh, well, well does tetlow do did he teach you the the practice and the custom of uh Blessing the Christmas ham. The Christmas ham. The, the Christmas, Christmas ham. ham. I don't think so. No. Now, let me tell you a little story about the Christmas ham and how it relates to St. Nicholas. I, I think we talked about this on one episode way back, but I think it's worth repeating since we're doing an episode specifically about St. Nicholas. So in addition to paying off these children's, this, these young girl's dowries another reason he's considered the patron saint of children is because he was always portrayed in iconography with three children in a barrel and you know people are like well what the, what's that all about so according to legend there was a butcher just an evil wicked butcher 
who kidnapped and murdered three children and put mm -hmm. them in a big tub of salt and was brining them and was going to sell them as hams. So he cut these kids up. And this is like a serial murder type, right? It's like St. Nicholas was like, like Dexter or whatever. So, <laughs> so St. Nicholas discovers this and he goes and he blesses these now, I don't know, brined children and they come back to life. You know, so he does the sign of the cross and they come back to life and then they, you know, they're able to bust this serial killer butcher. But that's one of the less pleasant stories about St. Nicholas that helps lead to why he's the patron saint of children because he... He was able to prevent a serial killer from his mad, savage, pickling um, career. So is there a ritual that spawned from that for the blessing of the ham? Because now I don't even know if I want to eat ham at Christmas. Uh, me but, either. Like, but just, it's, it's fine eating ham. Just know where you're getting Just know where you're getting it from. Okay? Where you're getting it just from. trust your butcher. Sure it doesn't okay? come out of a barrel. Yeah. <laughs> and just in case, just do the sign of the cross over it. And, just, and have great faith. And if it comes back to life. Yeah, and then it all of a sudden starts crying. It's a baby like, oh, bad butcher. You went to that <laughs> bad one. butcher. I'm never going back to that. You have to smell it, man. Smell it. <laughs> There's nothing better than a good Christmas ham, though. Oh, man. I love a good honey baked ham. ham. Oh, yeah, yeah. man. Mm. I think one it's of the last. Perfect. Before we get into why Bari. And then I want for everyone watching. Stick around because we're going to show you a picture of we've done this before with St. Mary Magdalene, but we're showing you an actual recreation of what the real St. Nicholas would have looked like using a recreation from his skull and forensics. As since we're talking about Dexter and forensics, you now I think it's a good time to drop that. But one of the other, I'd say maybe big famous stories about St. Nicholas is that he was at the Council of Nicaea and he famously slapped Arius. You guys have heard this, right? We have this big ecumenical council, a Arius is the arch you know, heretic, um, denying the two natures of Christ and all this. And St. Nicholas is just like, can't put up with his shenanigans and gets so frustrated with him that he slapped him. Um, some sources say he punched him. Others say he slapped him. Uh, now, when we get into the historical recreation of St. Nicholas' face, you'll see he had a broken nose. So some people said maybe he, he was all right at throwing fists every now and again. But According to tradition, he slapped Arius at this council, but because he used violence, he was actually placed, you don't hear this part of it a lot, he was actually placed in jail and stripped of his pallium by the other bishops. So it's not like he just walked up and slapped him with impunity. Everyone's like, yeah, knock out Arius. They're like, dude, you can't do this. So mm -hmm. they put Nicholas, the emperor put Nicholas in jail and removed his pallium, you know, the sign of him being a bishop. Um so then, I mean, he's in this jail cell and he's praying. He has a vision of the Holy Family. He repents um, and he's re reinvested. But uh, everyone always posts that as something like to be proud of. That St. Nicholas, like, yeah, St. Nicholas is punching heretics and checking names and checking them twice and <laughs> decking the halls of heretics. But St. Nicholas himself was... <laughs> St. Nicholas himself was horrified at this and, and regretted it deeply that he had lost his temperance, that he lost his cool. So it's, you know, it makes for a good social media meme, but it's it's not something that he would have wanted to be remembered for. Yeah, I think in, in youthful zeal, 
you know, when you've got all that energy and, uh, <laughs> you know, it was like how we looked at how we looked at uh, St. Louis de Montfort too, you know, just uh, a bruiser, you know, like a bruiser going into bars and, and, you know, confronting, confronting people who, who weren't going to church. And some of those, uh, some of those, you know, arguments turned into fist fights and, then the boys were at mass the next day, you know, and, and, uh, you know, and it, and it is something like in your youthful zeal, I think you kind of admire, but Louis de Montfort and St. Nicholas, both, uh, both recognized that that was not the path of, of, uh, evangelization, but like the path of proselytizing and, and like, and just kind of taking control and, uh, you know, yeah, punch me in the face, a little <laughs> smack in the face, Arius. Yeah, there are so many amazing legends and stories from the life of St. Nicholas. And we want to invite you to learn more about uh, St. Nick and, you know, where he came from, where he is now today. And, you know, for me personally, uh, I've always had a tie to St. Nicholas because where St. Nicholas, you know, wound up in church history and, um, you know, we're going to hear in just a little bit the historical background that Sheila's going to provide in how St. Nicholas arrived in Bari. But my family on my mother's side from uh, from Italy came from Barese. So, uh, you know, the the tie to St. Nicholas and his tomb uh, is very sincerely close to to my family ties and uh, my grandfather, my my maternal grandfather. And um, and, you know, going there and praying at that church and uh and visiting his tomb was one of the most impactful experiences spiritually in my formation and my discernment um of the priesthood and, and really my journey in christ he was such a huge influence uh, when i was able to pray for my family line to pray for all the family members that that still live there um and and in gratitude to god for this this connection at, at his tomb uh but yeah so bari is is a very a uh, beautiful coastal city, a port city. And, um, you know, I, I went there probably about 12 years ago, um, you know, before my, before my ordination. And it was, it was a joyful experience for sure. So let's talk about Santa Claus's skeleton. <laughs> <laughs> so Father Ritz, like you said, he is known as St. Nicholas of Bari or St. Nicholas of Myra. Now, the Greeks, the East will call him of Myra, the West will call him of Bari. There's a really big reason for that because that represents the two places where St. Nicholas's relics have been interred. So let's get into Santa Claus's skeleton, right? Which if you have children, listening parents, now might be a good time <laughs> to pause and think about how you want to explain this because we're going to be talking about the bones of St. Nick, right? So spoiler like said, alert, spoiler alert. He died. Santa Claus died. I, I don't know. So did the Easter Bunny, I guess. I mean, since we're ruining everybody's dreams. <laughs> um, oh, Lord, Ryan, what's wrong with you? So St. Nicholas, he was the Bishop of Myra. He died there. It was buried and interned there. Um, and there's a church there still to this day where St. Nicholas was buried in uh, Myra, which is in modern day Turkey. Now, when he died that was part of the Byzantine empire. Uh, and it was safe and secure for years and years, 700 years. Um, but around the year, well, in the year 1071, most of Asia minor was taken over and conquered by the Turks from the Byzantines after the battle of Mansacre, which meant 
all of these historic churches throughout Asia Minor no longer had imperial protection, right? The emperor of Byzantium wasn't able to protect it anymore. And there was a group of Italian soldiers from Bari, probably your ancestors, Father Rich, knowing you, right? <laughs> and they got on this boat and they sailed across the Mediterranean and landed in Myra and broke into the church smashed the sarcophagus and stole the bones of St. Nicholas and brought him back with them to um, Bari. So that's why, well, look, he should have been in Myra, but then these sailors took him and put him in Bari. So that's how those relics ended up there. They're still, they just actually rediscovered the sarcophagus in Turkey. And the Turkish government issued a formal request to Italy that the relics be re uh repatriated to turkey i'm sure they're trying to get the uh the uh tourism dollar right but saint nicholas is also known as saint nicholas of venice because his relics are there too so these sailors from bari didn't take all of his bones they just took like the big ones the glory bones right they took the skull and you know the legs and whatever so another group of italian sailors <laughs> left venice and went across and they're like Oh, let's see if there's any bones left, right? So they went and they got like all the little small bones, like the knuckles and little rib bones. And I don't know, maybe the cochlea, which is the smallest bone in the body. I don't know, right? And took those all back to Venice. Now, they've done scientific testing on both of these and they found that the bones in Venice and Bari line up. They're from the same individual. So that's why there's the confusion of Bari or Myra. Really, it's about the... Uh, the internment of where his relics are so hmm. and different italian soldiers sailors. sailors italian sailors dude you can't <laughs> they will steal your bones at the drop of a hat dude you can't leave bones around with those guys ever you're going back to body no dude, especially I mean, the glory bones right the glory bones man i ate some chicken wings leave those around i got italian sailors beating down my door trying to steal the bones <laughs> so so that on behalf means... of my family line, I just want to say to, to <laughs> Mira and, and to Turkey, you know, no offense. I'm sorry. I apologize on behalf of my family. Sorry we, we stole bones. your bones. <laughs> stole your bones, Dad. Hey, Dad, I'm sorry you stole your bones. <laughs> oh, gosh. Um, so we now know we have St. Nicholas's bones. So what we're going to show you is a picture of saint nicholas's skull we're going to show you santa claus's skull right uh, which i think is super cool but before we do that i want to give out uh, i want to give a shout out to our sponsors so first sponsor i want to talk about is hollow uh hollow is an absolutely amazing catholic prayer app it's the number one prayer app in the app store uh over a billion prayers have been set on this app i mean guys you use this app i know i use this app every day um and they got some really cool things that help, right? Because we're just now entering into Advent and they're doing Advent with C.S. Lewis this year um, with a lot of great resources. They're going to have Jonathan Rumi, Sister Miriam, and uh, they've got a lot of Christmas music. They've got, um, uh, I think it's with Ben Rector. They're going to be doing a Christmas music um, release throughout the whole of Advent. Um, they've got chant and all kinds of sacred music. This is going to be a really great time of year to use this app because it's really, I think, going to uh, help you increase your devotion during Advent. Ryan, what do you, how often do you use it? 
Yeah, it's a perfect time to start using it if you have it, because um, there's there's a lot of rich content and, you know, it should be an all of our uh, all of our hopes for Advent that we would be praying more and, and waiting for our Lord uh, to come. And so a great, great thing. I mean, I, I was listening to uh, Advent Lo-Fi something like that while I was working on my computer. Like they, they've got everything. My kids are now using it with me. We've got a little family group so we can see and talk to each other about our prayer life. It's just been a very big resource for, I know my own personal prayer, but also now uh, as a father and encouraging my, my oldest two to pray with me. You know, it's been a really, really big blessing. And just, and pastorally speaking, you know, there's uh, we've been rolling out like a daily rosary, uh, effort in the parish and so many people, kids, teenagers, you know, uh, families are praying the rosary. And, you know, there's a number of families that use the Hallow app uh, so that they're making sure that they're hitting their their marks of prayer, like they could set, um, you know, goals each day. And, you know, what I love, too, is that you you can have a friends and family component to this, like where you can have yeah. your prayer group, you can have, you know, your family. And that's what I love del across the way that you guys use the the app as a family. But, you know, we have so many uh, Bible, you know, Bible studies and groups yeah. that are developing organically here. And, you know, Hallow is a perfect way to uh, to use that forum so that, you know, the prayer group is maintained on a daily basis, even, uh, you know, for for those disciplines. So yeah, I just and, I, go ahead, Ryan. I was gonna say I, I saw that they have parishes that they started too as well. So it'd be interesting mm -hmm. to see there. So I wanted to pull this up because this is directly from Hala. I was telling them, hey guys, what should we tell people that you got going out for Advent? So here's exactly what the people from Hala who run this app have sent over. So uh, they're going to be doing the 12 Days of Christmas Music Challenge with Ben Rector, which is going to guide people through traditional Christmas hymns. They've got uh, a stay prayed up daily challenge with Mark Wahlberg, which uh, <laughs> you know a daily pump up to keep you uh, prayed up. Um, they're going to have a ton of Advent and Christmas music with like Andrea Bocelli, uh, Matt Mahar. They've got chant, piano, more. They've got. Uh, they're going to be doing the Pray Twenty Five in multiple languages too. So they're going to be Portuguese, Polish, German, French, Tagalog, Italian, Spanish. So if you don't speak English. Tagalog. Tagalog. Look, I speak English. Tagalog. Tagalog. Um, but thank you. Uh, that's for the Filipinos out there. Um, they've also got something really cool. So they're doing their first ever kids challenge, which is Mary on the Mantle, which is kind of like Elf on the Shelf, but it's a little doll of Mary. And oh, she cool. moves around and it helps them understand the Christmas story. So they're going to be doing that in there, too. So if you go to CatholicTalkShow.com forward slash hollow, H-A-L-L-O-W, you can download this app and try all the premium features for free. Then you can try that trial. So we really recommend it. Great resource for Advent. Um, another one, another sponsor I want to give a shout out to <laughs> is uh, Exodus 90. So uh, Advent, like we said, we're in Advent and Exodus 90 has a really great resource. They're doing um, a season of Advent prayer challenge for men. Uh, and this is a time of preparation for men around the world to unite their hearts more deeply to the Lord. Um, it's going to help everyone be more intentional with your daily prayer and discipline. Uh, and so it gives you an opportunity to get you and your buddies around, uh, you know, and men and pray during Advent in preparation for Christmas, in preparation for 
uh, a warm up for the big exodus, which starts on January 1st this year. So it's kind of a precursor. Maybe you look at it as like a little bit of a preseason for the big exodus when you're, you know, taking showers, cold showers and not drinking alcohol. This one's maybe a little bit more lax, but it allows you to get back in that mindset and prepare for Advent at the same time. So if you yeah, to, talk to show, give you. To give you a uh, to give you a sense of the 22 days of Advent, what are you going to be doing if you join this Exodus, this movement? So, of course, we want to we want you to go through our talk show link, CatholicTalkShow.com forward slash Exodus, and you could get the app for free. But you you're going to be doing 20 minutes of daily silent prayer, reading from Scripture and reflections uh, on the Exodus app, and their app is fantastic. Uh, fast and abstain from meat on Wednesdays and Fridays cold shower Fridays. Don't worry that there's only three that you're going to do. Um, so if that Exodus 90 is just really intense and you tried it and you failed, this is a great way to start the new year. It's a new liturgical year starting at Advent. I think and, I'd rather uh, be stinky than take kind of charge up. I think I'd rather be I stinky just... than take cold showers every day. That would be my <laughs> sacrifice. Shower. The other, the other discipline is a weekly holy hour. You know, again, all of these are achievable. And uh, and catch and root out cynical, sarcastic, and negative speech. You know uh -oh. these these are these are really good uh, kind of reset to the new liturgical year, starting out a new year in the church uh, with Advent and and started out with Exodus, my brothers. Yeah, that's pretty good. So again, CatholicTalkShow.com forward slash Exodus, and then our our last sponsor, Father Rich. I'm gonna let you take this one because well, you, you know, are you are. You're not just I am a Mr. sponsor. You are Mr. Sacrilegious. You are Father Sacrilegious. <laughs> Call me Father Sacr Father Sacrilegious. Um, no, you are like, Father I, Tom I like... Thomas Sacrilegious. <laughs> I I just I I love their socks, and uh, you know I do like the guy said I wear them every single day. But you know we don't want you know Sacrilegious to be uh, put in the corner. Don't put baby in the corner because it's not just socks. Now they have like some awesome swag too and some really cool shirts i know shout out to tanisha because i think she's uh she's giving you a a really cool shirt dell across with saint anthony on it but this one's this one's really cool of saint therese and it's living on a prayer you know i just i love i love this shirt you know it's it's really breaking into the culture in christ you know and really transforming culture uh, you know, and and putting your faith in fabric and and wearing it. You know, wear your faith. Be proud to be Catholic. Be confident to represent your faith. Learn your faith and share your faith. These are the joys that we get to participate in in Christ. And uh, and I'm just such a a happy a happy sock religious fan as as they're partnering up with us this season uh, to you know to. Think of stocking stuffers, you know, what perfect stocking stuffer. I know, mom, I really want another pair too, because, uh, you know, there every now and then I'll wind up receiving a gift and it's a sock, a pair of socks that I don't actually have. And the guys know I've shown them my sock drawer. I literally have like almost every single sock that they've ever made. So they, Did they you, keep uh, on coming out with new, new, uh, new content and, and new socks. They sent us the, um, the Swiss guard socks and I left them yes. down there. So don't don't go wearing yeah. those. We got those because those are one of the. Oh no, and I don't I've have that seen. pair, so I may be stealing those from you, my brother. Okay, Just well, like the good say stole the uh, bones of Saint Nicholas. Gosh, okay, you Italian sailors, man. Yeah, yeah. Oh. First, first right of refusal. <laughs> uh, you know what though? If you do steal them, 
I could go and buy them. Do you know why? Because I can afford to if I use Talk <laughs> 10. I go to catholictalkshow.com forward slash socks, S-O-C-K-S, and use code Talk 10 and save 10% off my whole order. Now, this is a great gift for Christmas coming up. Uh, whether it's a stocking suffer, like I said, making a sock turducken, uh, whether it's t-shirts or sweatshirts, they have great coffee mugs. Um, they have um, awesome stickers. Uh, you should check out their sticker yeah, section too. Really mm -hmm. cool. Like I'm a sticker guy. I have them on my car. I have them on like my computer case. Really cool. Holy Saint stickers. But, um, you know, socks and look, if, you, if you're a guy like me, I got wear a size 14. They have socks that will fit you too. They've got socks for kids. Um Go check them out. I mean, we actually Ooh, got do a wear new, them. They've got a new um, the, the Christmas socks are really cool, by the way. But they've got a new St. Francis style too, because I've I've got like three St. Francis socks. Yeah. But uh, these are these are a cool color. I like this. Yeah. So they make great gifts, or for yourself. Look, if you want to dress up for Christmas and Advent, and you know, I remember when I was a kid, my dad would always bust out the Christmas tie and the Christmas socks. You know, so that's a cool tradition. They have like. The nativity, they have the wise men, they've got all different kinds of Christmas socks, but then they have your favorite ones too. So again, use code TALK10. And if you go to CatholicTalkShow.com forward slash socks, you can use that code now. So that's with Sock Religious. So shout out to all three of them. Great gifts, great things to help you prepare for yeah, Advent. Great, great partners of the show and they're good yeah. people and and uh, they're really doing great work in the church. Kudos and know of our prayers. Um, you know, I also want to give a shout out to them too because they have onesies for kids and babies on here too. That's, that's really cool. Yeah. So, so gifts for the kids. That's it. So let's talk, Ben, let's get back into talking about Santa Claus's skull. Uh, so I'm going to share my screen with you guys now. Jolly old St. Nicholas smacked him in the face. All right. So this is the skull of St. Nicholas. This is the skull wow. that's in Bari. That's, mm -hmm. Pretty metal, man, looking at Santa Claus's <laughs> skull. But ah. that's what it is. Um, and he, you know, here's all the different bones. So some of the smaller bones, some of these are from Venice, others are from Bari. But um, this is a reminder that this was a real flesh and blood saint. This was not just uh, you know, like Ryan that you were saying, just a, a marketing creation. This was a saint um who had a nice head lived and died. Had a great head. Right, great head, yeah, <laughs> very round, perfect, very round. round. Yeah. yeah, if you ever look at a Eastern um, icon, they tend to make the heads pretty bulbous, right? I don't oh, know if yeah. that's, yep. I don't know if that's mm -hmm. just like the Slavic cranium shape or whatever, but he's got it, man. He's got some circulature got going on. Nice dome. So when they were, um, they've analyzed this, and uh, you know. The bones all line up from being around that time period. They would have been obviously. I don't think there's much contention that these are the real thing, right? Uh, in some of the inspections, they would have found that he had a broken nose. Now we talked about that earlier. That does that mean that he was out there fighting? Probably not. What it probably means was that he had his nose broken during the persecutions of Christians. So, you know, he had, Ryan, you have a broken nose, right? Yeah. Five yeah. times over. Five times over. And there's, you got the little crook right there. He would have had the same thing. You and St. Nick got the same nose. Yay. Got your <laughs> nose. <laughs> <laughs> so, 
you've seen these recreations where they take the the skulls or whatever and they're able to use computer software to recreate what a person would have looked like based on the, you know the 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 remains of the bone what the musculature did to the bone and you can get a very very accurate look of what a saint would have looked like so here is unveiling this what saint nicholas would have actually looked like in his lifetime which i think is really cool this is so this is not the coca-cola version this is the real deal this is saint nicholas's real face right here that's how i pictured him that's how you pictured mm -hmm. him that's it so all I know you guys, from the bones i know, you know if guys, he threw his beard out he's making good santa claus <laughs> i love that i don't know saint nick if you grew that beard out you'd be able to make a great mall santa <laughs> oh, <man. laughs> gotta clean up a little bit that's all <laughs> you know there, there's a, a great uh tradition um you know that goes you know many 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 years back about uh liquid that would come from uh, the tomb of saint nicholas and this liquid continues to to uh build up and it's called uh, you know, it was called like the oil from his bones for years, but it's really, uh, it's really, you know, water that is collected over a period of time. And I've, uh, and it's mixed with oil or it's mixed with other water um, and used as uh, relics, but it's, it's the bottles of pure manna. Um, and the evening of the 9th of May, the feast of the translation of St. Nicholas from Mira to Turkey to Bari, Italy in 1087, the stone sarcophagus was open. The crowded crypt, the Archbishop of Bari extracts one or two glasses of water formed during the year around the saint's bones, and it's called manna. And um, friends of mine just went there, and they actually brought me back uh, another bottle because when I first went, I, I bought like, you know, 20 bottles of, of uh, the manna and to use in devotion and, and uh, prayer for married couples going through struggles of marriage prep and and. Um, and, you know, just overall, like anything related to St. Nicholas, uh, but that's still going on today. So if you ever find yourself in the port of Bari and and, uh, you know, you go visit the tomb of St. Nicholas, be sure to stop in at their gift shop, which is right out uh, right outside in the courtyard. I got, and I got fake. I got a fake vial that once. You know how I know it was fake? How? It smelled like beef and cheese. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> The real Santa Claus smells movie. like cookie. You smell like beef and cheese. And I can't wait. I'm not. I'm going to. I'm going to discipline myself and wait a couple more weeks before I start watching Elf. Uh, uh, you know, in Elf. preparation for Christmas. Me too. Yeah. Always, always make sure your vial of lies. <laughs> always make sure your vial doesn't smell like beef and cheese, but cookies and sanctity. It has the odor of sanctity. I love it. Yeah, we want uh, to encourage all of you, you know, to check out the website, stnicholascenter.org. There's yeah, great, great materials, website. the great history. There's video links, um, you know, to when the bishop actually goes into the tomb to collect, uh, you know, the uh, the condensed water, this pure water that that uh, they still don't know how it, it builds up in there, but it does. And um, and there's many miracles that have come from uh, devotion around this this manna um but yeah there's you know there's really really cool content there so we want you to check out stnicholascenter.org all right Very well good. that's that's it kids that's saint nicholas i think we should all get to bed before uh <laughs> nicholas doesn't show up and leave us our coins and our orange and our whatever gifts we get in our socks right
<laughs> sock ducking. Sock duckins. Thomas Aquinas. So let's give ducking. let's give the last word uh to Saint Nicholas himself as we Go our, our separate ways this week. Know of our prayers for you. Please continue to pray for us. We so appreciate your prayers for, for Jennifer Delacrosse and Ryan uh, through through difficult times that we've uh, we've had with the show and uh, and for prayers for, for me and my priesthood. Um, but let's give and Saint For me Nicholas too. The... I mean, what, are you just going to leave me out of this? No, place? it's <laughs> top level over there. What's up, dude? <laughs> Yeah, you know, no, prayers for me and Ryan, us. but you know, Shio, screw us. him. He's fine. He's good on his own. He's fine. He doesn't <laughs> no, need prayers. Shio definitely need your prayers. Trust yeah, me. of course I do. <laughs> no, we all we all need your prayers, but know of our prayers, and it's beautiful to connect each week. But uh, let's give Saint Nicholas the the last word here. The giver of every good and perfect gift has called upon us to mimic his giving by grace through faith, and this is not ourselves. You know, it's Saint Nicholas's virtue is coming in relationship to his communion with Christ. And, and uh, that's why his legacy lives on still today. And Christ is very, very much active in the body of Christ. And we are all called to this form of generosity of spirit. So a big thank you to our patrons who support us generously on our show. Thank you for supporting us. And if you're out there thinking of becoming a patron, go to catholictalkshow.com forward slash Patreon, and we'll send you some cool Christmas gifts in the mail to say thank you. And uh, yeah, God bless you all. Digitally throw a sock with some donations in. That way we don't have to have a life of ill repute <laughs> and we can continue making this show. Because otherwise it's it. right to the streets for us. I love it. Well, <laughs> God bless you all and we'll see you next week. 